Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Upside Swings Draft Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined as always by the great Stone Hansen, and the next in our series of guests here to talk about the Portland Trailblazers, Rafael Barlow. Um, Rafael, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for taking the time out to, to do this with us. We know you're a busy man, and uh, this is the busiest time of year for the people in our line of work. So uh, it, it's always nice people take some time out and uh, come join us on the pod. Uh, Stone, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, I'm really excited to talk Blazers. Uh, me and Raphael have done some podcasts in the past, so it should be a lot of fun. It's crazy we're talking Blazers. They don't even have a pick, so it must be something different. <laughs> they, they do not have a pick. Uh, we, we have talked about teams without picks, uh, I think, once before, and then we've talked about some teams with only, like, late seconds. We'll find a way to have some fun with it. There, uh, there are a lot of fun guys in this draft. There's always some good undrafted bets or guys you don't expect to go UD or always the possibility of uh, trades, and, and we will dive into that. Um, but first, I think it's important to sort of set a baseline of what the Trailblazers are right now. There's a lot of crazy rumors, obviously. But as of right now, how the roster is constructed currently, Rafael, what are some big holes they're missing that you think they need to fill, um, whether it be right now or in the long term? I think there needs to be some, some type of athletic vertical lob threat at the five spot. You look at... The two centers were Nurkic and Cantor, not what you consider high-level athletes, just vertical lob threats or rim runners. And then, you know, you have the combination of Nurkic, Cantor, and Mello pretty much playing like 90% of the minutes at the four and five spot. Um, there's going to be some issues on the defensive end. Zach Collins is supposed to be that guy, but He's played or started 11 games since he's been drafted. So he's not really reliable. And then he has a, another injury. And if Portland does decide to bring him back, you're basically paying for at least half of year of him rehabbing. So I would look to add, um, you know, if it's possible, some type of switchy rim running five or vertical lob threat. I mean, they had white side a couple of years ago, but, I mean, I think Whiteside is, I mean, he's a good shot blocker and he's a good rebounder, but he's someone that's just going to stand in a paint because he wants to get blocks and rebounds. And all of the Blazers' issues could have been fixed if they would have drafted Bam over Zach Collins. <laughs> that's a franchise-changing move right there, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I think Bam is certainly fits exactly what you're saying in terms of switchability and rim protector and vertical threat like he checks all those boxes and they could have you know maybe not been in this Damian Lillard situation had they taken him yeah another playmaker what's funny is I had a chance to talk to Bam I was in Miami was it two weeks ago and I saw him working out and I just said like hey man what what (laughs) what did Portland not see in you that they wanted to select Zach And, and so one of the things that he mentioned was he sacrificed a lot playing at Kentucky and he wasn't able to show everything that he had. But he also told me that when he did his workouts, he didn't do a lot of drill stuff. He did three on three because he didn't want to look bad and like shooting drills. So he really only did a lot of three on three stuff while Zach probably shot the ball well in the empty workout. And, and, and they thought of him as a guy that could space the floor for Lillard so he said from that point he understood and now like some of the stuff that he is showing as far as like being able to knock down shots he didn't necessarily have that at the time but yeah I mean a lot of teams well not a lot of teams but you know what 10 10 teams passed on him or something like that that I'm sure a large amount of them regret it but yeah I mean like you said we wouldn't be in this Lillard situation in my opinion if they would have had Bam yeah, and that's, you know, I will say the interesting thing with Bam is I think he's definitely an example of, like, incredibly outlier development. Um, like, especially with the passing, his off the offensive end, I think, was really sort of an unseen development from him in a lot of ways, even back to his 
uh, EYBL days. He could pass a little better than he showed at Kentucky, but uh, not in the way he's he's developed into the NBA. Um, but yeah, that Collins pick, I think they have announced that they're not even going to give him the qualifying offer, meaning he'll be unrestricted. Um, so that, that's pretty much a signal that he's gone. Um, I, I'd be shocked if he even gets a contract this year, just uh, because like you mentioned, they're, someone would have to pay for, you know, basically an empty roster spot for half the year. Uh, so we'll see. But yeah, that's definitely looking like a wasted pick. Um, that whole that whole trade ended up really interesting because uh, the Kings traded back to take Justin Jackson and Harry Giles and uh, just sort of a weird situation all around. Um, but you guys sort of mentioned it a little bit. And, and I think, you know, recording a Blazers podcast on a day like today, uh, this will come out in a couple of days. But for everyone listening, uh, we're recording this like the day the news dropped that you know Lillard is a couple days away from requesting a trade and sort of that weird USA interview where he sort of seemed non-committal um everything's just sort of up in the air so Raphael what do you think is going to happen with Damian Lillard do you think he's gone um do you think he's justified in wanting to be gone just what are your feelings in general on the whole situation you know what I I really don't have a prediction because it sounds like he has not requested requested a trade, but he wouldn't mind being moved if there was one. But then also, I think he understands with the size of his contract, whatever trade is made, he's going to deplete the other team's roster. So unless there's some type of, you know, I mean, the popular one is Ben Simmons. I think there's still a significant gap in salary because I think Dame is set to make like 40 something million going forward. I'm not a big Ben Simmons guy. I would take him on the team now with Dame and CJ, but if it's just Ben Simmons on the team and then if they just decide that they're going to, you know, trade off assets, then I don't think you're going to get a motivated Ben Simmons anyway. And I don't think he works on this game. I don't think he's ever really done anything other than just be born with natural gifts. So I don't think you're going to get the best out of him anyway. So I don't know. I I can't really see Dame just all out requesting a trade either. At least not publicly. And But then also I could see if I'm Neil O'Shea, which, I mean, I, I think that he should deserve the majority of the blame for the Blazers' issues. If I'm Neil O'Shea, I may move Dame, talk about a rebuilding plan, and as long as there's a rebuilding plan and you get a bunch of picks, it kind of extends his contract, allows him to have a little bit more job security. Yeah, that's where I was going to go with kind of a follow-up question was, do you think if – Dame ultimately, you know, request not a request to trade, but strongly suggests or hints he wants out of Portland. Um, is it in Portland's best interest to keep the rest of their core with Nurkic and CJ and try to just retool or just full on rebuild and, and blow it up from there? Yeah, full on re- rebuild, just <laughs> just tear it down. Yeah, because you don't want to be San Antonio. I don't really like the position the Spurs are in. They're just going to continue to be at. 11, 12, or they're higher last year. And they're they're too good to, like, be in position for the first pick, but not really good enough to do anything. And even if they do make the playoffs, they're probably going to get swept in the first round. So I think the Blazers and the Spurs should just – well, I mean, it depends. If Dame is – I think Dame is probably going to give Chauncey Billups a little bit of time. Um, I don't know. I mean, it could be like the Harden situation, but yeah, I mean, if they move Dame, then I say move CJ and then just, I mean, for some reason, I think Nurkic is going to be a Laker. <laughs> He's a clutch guy. Yeah, maybe. And, uh, you know, I, I think he'll, he'll end up in LA since Davis doesn't want to play the five. And he is a, a five. And I mean, he's someone that'll probably start and he'll be productive as a starting center. Mm-hmm. And he'll be productive through, you know, the first two rounds of the playoffs. And then, you know, you make it to the finals, then you can play AD at the five. 
yeah, you gotta keep you gotta keep AD happy as as the nominal power forward for as long as possible. That's interesting. Um, Nurkic in uh, LA. I don't know what their package would be to get him. I guess I don't necessarily know where Nurkic's market is right now. You'd have to you'd have to do uh, Kyle Kuzma as the salary salary filler, maybe like THT and a sign and trade and like. I don't know if there's – I think there has to be one more number probably put in there to match Nurkic's uh, – I want to say it's 14.5 that Nurkic is making more or less. Um, so that would be interesting. Uh, yeah, they're just – the Blazers are at a really weird spot. Um, that 2019 run to the Eastern Conference Finals I think was really – and is probably likely to remain unless there is major shakeup, uh, the high point of the Damian Lillard um Portland Trailblazers experience which is which is kind of too bad because he he really is a championship level player mm-hmm. um and he means so much to the city of Portland I'm I'm not from Portland or that area but I'm I'm right by there the only games I've been to in person NBA wise have been Trailblazers games uh and I know how much he means to that city and it's too bad that that they can't build a a really competent roster around him but they have really struggled with wings and forwards. Um, it's yeah. just for a little bit, it seemed like Neil O'Shea didn't value them. And then it seemed like, well, he figured out he needs them, but he doesn't know where to get them. It's just been a weird sort of rotating door, the three and the four from Mo Harkless and Alfred Gaminu to, you know, Robert Covington and Derek Jones Jr. Um, that's just, it's just sort of a, they're in a rough spot. Um, but it, say they were to keep, Damian Lillard and try and give it one more run. Uh, they don't currently have any draft picks, but there's a possibility of, of maybe a small trade into the second round or some good undrafted free agents. Raphael, who are some names that kind of make some sense uh, for you with the Blazers here? Or if they do trade Damian Lillard, is there any sort of home run guy you think they should be targeting in this draft to sort of be his heir apparent? Well, there's a guy that I'm high on. I didn't think he would get drafted. But now it looks like he possibly will. But it's Ibu Baji from Barcelona. He is a project. He's someone that if they can get it right and he wants to develop, then I think he could really, really be something that, you know, we don't really we don't really see a lot in the NBA. I mean, he's just a freak athlete. He's only 18, allegedly, Um, but he's, you know, chiseled vertical lob threat great shot blocker he would easily be the best athlete on the team if they brought him in well i forgot Derek jones jr is on the team but <laughs> he's um you know he'd be something that portland doesn't have they don't have a vertical lob threat at the five spot they don't have a, a a guy that you know can run the floor and if they believe in their developmental program then he's someone that i would take a flyer on don't know if he'd be available and i don't really know what assets they have to trade into the second round anyway and also another thing that we haven't mentioned is that they have to figure out what they're going to do with Norman Powell. They, I feel like they made a mistake. They could have kept Gary Trent Jr. And he would have been restricted. So if they would have, you know, another team would have made him an offer or whatever, they would have been able to match it. And he's younger. Powell was like a, a desperation move for me when now, and now he's unrestricted. He can leave and you could end up trading Gary Trent for nothing. So I think that's a major part of it. If Dame leaves, then you you know you're going to lose Powell for for nothing anyway. And then Nurkic only has one more year left on his deal. So let's say Dame is moves, then you know if they want to make a trade, then you know Nurkic should be a free agent after in the summer of 2022. Yeah, yeah. so that's pretty much a full blow up. I think if Dame is gone. Um, mm-hmm. Two two guys I wanted to throw at you real quick. Uh, I know you're really knowledgeable about foreign players. Um, I think that's sort of your your sort of specialty in the draft world is is picking out these guys like like uh, Dianco Baji. Um, so two guys I want to throw at you that I think me and Bryce are both really high on is Mario Nakic and Rokas Yokubaitis. Uh, I, I wanted to get your your view on them, and then also if you have any other guys you wanted to bring up, feel free to. I like I like Yokobetis. I've had a chance to watch him play live a couple of times. I want to say like the first time I saw him play was like 2017. And so he was young. 
um i thought he should have came out last year like i did a video on him and then right i want to say like maybe a week after i released it he decided to stay in the draft i like him a lot i mean there are some some possible issues there he doesn't have like the best foot speed very left-hand dominant if he does go right he's shooting a pull-up jumper but i i like him a lot i think he's tough i think he's like um I want to say like a Goran Dragic without the first step in the speed, but then that's what makes Goran Dragic, Goran Dragic. <laughs> so, um, Nakic, honestly, I, I know, I mean, I know a little bit about him. I may not be as high on him as, as others are, but I think that he's someone that could possibly go undrafted. And if he does go undrafted, I think it's someone that you, you know, you make a phone call and then, I believe with like foreign prospects that go undrafted, it becomes an issue because an NBA team would have to pay their buyout if they have one. And I think the buyout is like 700,000 or something like that, which means if a team is going to pay him, pay a $700,000 buyout, that means they probably have to make some type of commitment to him to where he's going to make money. Or, I mean, there is creative ways to do it. I've heard one creative way a team could could do it if a foreign player goes undrafted and he has a buyout. A lot of times their buyouts are a lot smaller for foreign teams, the NBA teams. So they could probably work out some type of deal. Or, I mean, it would be the agent that would have to work out a deal where it's like, all right, well, here, your buyout is, you know, maybe the agent had paid themselves buyout is like 80,000 and then you can be free or they can make a deal where it's like, okay, I'll send you one of my clients that's overseas client. And, you know, or, or they can tell the team, like they could tell, let's say Olympiacos, Hey, if you buy this guy out for 80,000, he'll be free. We can have him play in the G league, whatever. And I'll send you one of my guys. So that's a possibility, but yeah, it just depends if, if Nakic isn't drafted. I think there's ways to, to get him. But right now, I think he's borderline. That's interesting. Um, those are two guys I think I could see getting drafted because I think there's going to be a certain desire for stashes in this draft. Um, yeah. There always seems to be unexpected stash picks. I mean, Vic Krejci last year, or the one I'll always bring up was Isuf Sanin. Um, and, With the Wizards, you know, right? Yeah, the Wizards, yeah. yep. Yeah. You mentioned how uh, how you don't want to be like the Spurs. I was thinking we just did a podcast with Matt Moderno about the Wizards, and I think they're sort of the ultimate ideal of like what you don't want to be as a franchise. Just not good to be anything, but not bad enough to have excitement for young players. Um, but yeah, anyways, I, I think there is going to be a a certain desire for statistics. A lot of teams have multiple second-round picks. A lot of teams um, do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of and, – and no team is going to roster uh, three second-round picks. Um, so whether they – except for maybe the Nets do, uh, just because they might need that uh, cap relief. Um, but other than that, like the Pelicans aren't going to roster four rookies, three of them being second-rounders. Either they're going to sell those picks or they're going to have to draft stashes, um, especially considering they're bringing DD over too. So that's an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Um, but, yeah, yeah those are the last part. I didn't hear the last part you said. Oh, uh, the Pelicans are bringing Didi over. Didi was out of silver. Oh yeah, the guy from Australia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Off. The Brazil. He's Brazilian, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, he's Brazilian, he's and he went and played. And that's something I think we could see too. Is you were mentioning like the buyouts are cheaper for foreign teams. Um, I wonder like if any of the two guys we mentioned, like if they could go play in the Rising Stars. I, I think that's what it's called program in the NBL. Um, that like Justinian Jessup was a part of and. That's what DD was doing. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. You're Raphael. You are much smarter than me in a lot of ways, but specifically with stuff like that um, about the sort of political maneuverings between NBA and, and foreign teams. But if the buyout is cheaper, uh, they could potentially be going to uh, to do that over there. So that could be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, so, or Raphael, were there any other names you guys wanted to bring up? Uh, if if not, I have a couple sort of off the top of my head, but. Uh, there's anyone you guys want to hit on? Uh, I mean, I think, like you said, there's going to be a lot of teams that are probably looking to stash guys. So I think that's going to hurt a lot of the American players. So I think there's going to be some really good American players that go undrafted. Yeah, yeah. I would 
Oh, go ahead, Storm. I was just going to agree with that. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think there's some really interesting names specifically for the Blazers and even specifically for that need you mentioned of, of athleticism um, of guys that can go undrafted. Um, this guy is a big, uh, Namias Keda, I think, has the potential to go undrafted and be a really interesting signing. You think um, so? I've seen like late first round. I've seen early second. If he goes undrafted and, I mean, the Blazers got to be on the phone. And he oh, gets absolutely. some type of guaranteed money if he goes undrafted. He, he's the type of guy who I think goes undrafted because he wants to, um, where it's not that he's not a top 60 player. It's that maybe he didn't go top 45 and he just says he'd rather go UD. Um, but yeah, that's definitely the one that's sort of the, uh, the hardest, like, like the least likely that this guy goes undrafted. But some other names that I have seen more undrafted um, guys like Romeo Weems, who's a wing. Um, Eugene Omarui from Oregon uh, is more of a forward, can maybe play as a big. Um, and then, you know, like a Moses Wright or uh, even Justin Champagny, Baram Faye. He, he's also a European guy. But there, there's some names. Um, I would have said Jericho Sims. I feel like with the crazy workouts he's putting on, he's going to end up getting drafted. Which um, is but, like fool's gold. Like, I mean, yeah. he hasn't gotten better at Texas. And then an empty workout, he's just going to jump to the moon. <laughs> like, yeah. what is he going to show you different that he can do? It's so um, sometimes you got to wonder, like, NBA teams have to be smarter than that. Now, I think that he does have a role in the NBA, but it's crazy how he's basically shown the same things. And now his stock has it seems, at least based off of what I'm reading on the internet, his stock has increased because he jumped high in workouts. <laughs> I mean, he hit his he hit his forehead on a rim, and everyone thinks that looks cool, and yeah. they want to. And, and that's not to hate on Jericho. I think there's even at college there were some interesting things uh, with with Jericho Sims. Just you're right; he hasn't changed as a player really at all since he was. Uh, honestly, like a sophomore at Texas, I feel like he's sort of been the same player for three straight years. Yeah, um, I say four, to be honest with you. I th- yeah, when I yeah. saw him as a freshman, I thought like, wow, this dude is athletic. He's at least can, you know, be like a DeAndre Jordan type. Because, you know, DeAndre wasn't drafted high either. And I thought, OK, well, mm-hmm. he can he'll leave early. He has the tools that somebody's going to take a gamble on. It's like he kept staying. <laughs> it's like. You know, he, he he probably would have been better off if, if he did the same thing that he's doing now in the workouts, which I think he could have. If he did, though, them as a freshman, he gets probably drafted. Yeah, it's probably. Pretty, it's pretty wild how workouts can make or break a draft stock so much. Just in a, you know, a couple of months can overwrite like the past three or four seasons of Jericho Sims, where that's what you take into account more so than all the other. Uh, portfolio he's shown up until then um yeah. one guy who's i hopefully i think is is killing the workouts lately and has had a lot would be a uh, Vrenz blindberg my guy <laughs> yeah i know he's big in draft twitter um a lot of us have been able to interview him have been lucky enough i think you were like probably the first one out of anybody to really show have him show up on your radar yeah. um, what about Vrenz? do you do you see translating in terms of his game um, how high do you think he'd go in the draft? And uh, just how has that process been for you getting to know him? Because he's, he's been really awesome for everybody. Yeah, so I got on on the Blindberg bandwagon early. I want to say I did my video on him back in December. And I reached out and he came on my podcast. He came on a couple of times. And then now, you know, everybody kind of knows him in the whole NBA draft for the world. But I've been able to stay in contact with him. I talked to him on WhatsApp pretty much every day. Just talked to him earlier. Um, he has a workout with the Pelicans tomorrow. He comes to Dallas on on Monday, and then he has a few more throughout the week. So it's kind of making me look like a genius in a sense because when people look him up, they like my dad looked him up, and he was like, the first thing that comes up is my name on, you know, on the search engine or whatever. And, um, you know, it just kind of makes me – it, it kind of gives me a little bit of confirmation in a sense that, you know, when he got here, he told me he only had a couple workouts planned and now he's up to like 13. Yeah. And uh, I think he's doing well in the workouts. And 
and like I said, I've been able to talk to him. Some of the matchups are pretty interesting. Sometimes they'll have him in a workout of all bigs. And then sometimes he'll be in a workout and it's all like guards and wings. Sometimes it's evenly matched up to where, you know, they'll, it's like six guys and you can tell if they want to match them up to where they're playing three on three. Some of his workouts, he's going against guys that probably will be undrafted. And then some where he's going up against guys that are drafted. So it's kind of weird to see where exactly is he at. I mean, it helps that there's been a bunch of teams that are bringing him in for workouts. Most of the teams have picks between 30 and 40. So that would be good. Chat Ford said, you know, he gets all his, his intel from, from NBA teams. And he had mentioned that he mentioned in a podcast that hasn't been released yet that teams knew who he was and they questioned about why isn't he dominating the Belgian league. And he said that, which kind of shocked me, but he said the way I've been pushing the kid and I think how well he's interacted with other people and doing their podcast and, and just hearing how, you know, he, I mean, he comes off as humble, but also confident and hungry. It's helped his stock. And now that's part of the reason why they want to bring him in. And um, I mean, Vrenz could actually be like a, a, a case study in a sense because he's doing all his own marketing. Yeah. We've never, only, seen, we've never seen this before. Yeah. He is the only prospect that I've seen where you can just reach out to him directly and he'll come on your podcast. He'll talk to you. And uh, I'm looking forward to, I'll actually meet him this weekend. So I'm looking forward to that. And, and, um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's been great. And I think that, of course he has to, you know, show it on the court, but I think it's, it's something other prospects should follow. Yeah. Um, do you, do you think that, uh, I think a lot of NBA teams sort of take into account character and that's something that I think a lot of us, maybe maybe you, because you're able to interact with a lot of these guys, but most of us, like within draft Twitter, aren't really able to get this sort of intel. You know, we only know a guy from what we see on the court and not so much off. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that it, that's obviously, I think, helping play a part in terms of, uh, you know, being able to to um, get more of these workouts and things like that? And like you were saying, he is um, he's really humble. Like we we had him on our podcast, and we were like. You know, who do you kind of see yourself as in the NBA? And he said Joe Ingles, which is a really valuable player. But I think he knows, you know, he's not really he knows a team's not going to ask him to be some sort of superstar or anything. He knows his role and he's humble within that. Um, So that really spoke volumes to me. Um, And I think, you know, there's he's sort of blazing a trail in a way. Um, No pun intended there. Uh, (laughs) Where I think. other prospects could be doing what he's doing, you know, take note where uh, if you're personable and your character shines through a bit, then it opens up some opportunities and some doors for you. So it's been really cool to see how he's done that. Yeah, man, I would love to, I'm gonna reach out to him and ask him that, you know, if he gets drafted best case scenario, I would love to have him on like once a, a week or once a month, or every two weeks as a guest on my podcast and just give us like this insight that we never get from rookies. Yeah. You know, they're all, they've all been so coached up and they've all been so scared to say the wrong things. Or, you know, like if you try to reach out to rookie, I'll give you an example. I mean, I'll just go ahead and say it. I thought I was going to get an interview with Cade because Cade is from the Dallas area. I talked to his cousin who I've known for a few years and he's like, okay, yeah, let's do it. We, we need to get Cade to talk. We need to get him to talk more. He doesn't really do much on social media being active. So I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome. This is going to be possibly life changing. I mean, everybody's going to download this episode because nobody really gets to know Kay from that aspect. Mm-hmm. And right when we set the time, his agent is like, he can't do interviews. So, yeah, I don't like I on one hand, I get it from from the agent perspective. But on the other hand, it's like. I mean, he's he's the number one pick. He's there's nothing that he's going to say that's going to affect his draft status unless it's something like super crazy. And, you know, I would think an agent would be pushing him. But what I did notice that he did do the J.J. Reddick podcast. So it's like 
they'll let you do a podcast if they feel like the platform is big enough. And yeah. I've had situations where an agent last year, I did some stuff on his client, probably back in like November, international guy. And the agent is like, oh man, thank you. This is, this is pretty cool. He's like around draft time. I'm gonna make sure that you get an interview. The guy's stock rises. And then the agent is like, no, we're not going to do any interviews right now. Then two days later, I see him on Shams in the stadium. And so it's like, if you're not ESPN, then they feel like ESPN can help you. But outside of ESPN, like guys like myself and you, some agents may feel like, oh, it's not worth it. It's not going to help my my client out. But that's why I just think what Vrenz is doing is cool because I even offered to do like a video series. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, I guess it was like 2012, Dame Lillard did this web series on YouTube called like License to Lillard. And it was just like this basic video showed him doing workouts and he's basically trying to introduce himself to the world as this guy from Weaver State that you probably heard of but don't know much about and I, I thought it was good I mean it was like an inside look especially at that time there wasn't a lot of people doing it and I agree you know me and Vrins talked about it he was like yeah okay cool so I'm like okay well who do I need to reach out to he's like me I'm like <laughs> <laughs> And so that's when he ended up getting all the workouts. So we weren't able to do it because he's literally been working out, you know, with teams maybe like four or five days out the week. So maybe we can still do it later on. But, um, but yeah, I mean, his situation is really, really unique. And hopefully it's something that next year there will be other prospects that will follow because he's become a darling of draft Twitter. Yeah. Everybody loves him on draft Twitter. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, we've seen um, guys like Jordan Hall got on another podcast, the Draft Deeper podcast, where who I did think, uh, Jordan Hall? Okay. Yeah, so I think maybe you know it's catching on a little bit in terms of uh, these sort of prospects who aren't you know maybe projected to go like lottery or anything or, that are huge names. Their their agents are kind of seeing you know maybe this is the best route where we can kind of get our guys a bit more exposure. Um, and you know, for guys like us, it helps us a bit because we get to interview them and, and people want to see that. So it helps. It's a mutual beneficial thing, I think. Um, but to get back to the Blazers here real quick, uh, before we get out of here, um, I did want to ask you, like, are there any trades that you think make sense in terms of, um, whether like it's Lillard or McCollum, like if, if they end up blowing this up, um, any guys sort of in the middle of the first round or lottery that you may be higher on than others? No, nah, man, I feel like we missed all the opportunities. I wanted Sadiq Bay last year. I thought he would have been the perfect fit. And, I mean, I'm not mad at the Covington trade. I wish there would have been another way to get Covington without giving up Bay. And then, in my opinion, the trade that I wanted to see, which I still think could have happened because I don't think Denver gave up a lot for him, but I thought Aaron Gordon would have been perfect for Portland. He would have provided some athleticism. Aaron Gordon is a, a good ball mover. He's a guy that, you know, he'll make plays. He'll be active. He'll cut. And they, I feel like the same package they got for, for um, Norman Powell, they probably could have got for Aaron Gordon. And then also, you know, Gordon is under contract. So I think that was a big mistake. So those are the two guys that I felt like that I really wanted. I don't really know what they can get this year as far as like in the trade, even in the draft. I mean, if you want to keep Dame, if you want to keep CJ, who's the next best asset? I mean, is it Ant Simons? <laughs> so you already gave up a young prospect for nothing and or well, not nothing, but and, and Gary Trent. Zach Collins doesn't have any value in my opinion. I mean, Mello. <laughs> so, I mean, do you hope that New York says, okay, we'll trade you Melo for Kevin Knox. And then we find out that Kevin Knox or Frank Nilakina are a lot better players. I don't know. I really don't know any moves that the Blazers can make that can help push them over the top. Yeah, for sure. And it really feels like they're, they're bad at maximizing talent too. I really liked the move to get Derek Jones Jr. In the off season. I thought it was a savvy pickup to, to add some athleticism and also a really good defender. Um, and, and I don't know if it's Terry Stotts or if it was, if it goes higher than that, if it was, you know, Neil O'Shea, like got him for a role that didn't work, 
but it really felt like he spent far too much time off ball on defense. And um, then obviously by the end of the season, he had his minutes completely slashed when he filled a really necessary role for them, I thought. And uh, they're just, they're just sort of a poorly run team at this point. It feels like, yeah. I, I think Neil O'Shea has, has run his course. Um, and and that's not, yeah. And that's not <laughs> to mention, you know, the, the questionable parts of his character that we don't need to dive into, but simply as a, as a GM, he's just really not, he's really not been able to maximize around a, a truly special talent in Damian Lillard. Uh, I still think Dame is almost underrated. I don't even know if that's fair to say, but it's just he's never been able to be a part of a roster that really maximized what he brings. Um, even CJ, I thought, was someone who who they should have traded at the height of his value for a more complimentary second star. Um, and it just, you know, it's just never really worked out. Um, I hope Dame stays just for the sake of Portland um, because – he means a lot to that city. I think people um, who, who don't always – who haven't, like, been to Portland who aren't fans of the team don't always understand that, but he does mean a lot to that city. It, it sort of felt like, um, you know, now they have the Timbers, but for a while the Trailblazers were kind of all Portland had in terms of sports. Yeah. Um, and, and he kind of revived that after the depressing end to the Brandon Roy saga. Um, I think there was some there was some rough feelings after that. And then Dame really just felt like he loved the city, like he just really wants to be there. And it'll be too bad to see him leave on these types of terms. But it's also hard to blame him uh, with, with how this this roster is built around him and how the organization is run. Um, but this has been this has been great. Uh, if either of you two have any other notes you want to hit on before we get out of here with the Blazers, feel free. Um, but if not, Raphael, this has been awesome. It was great to hear you talk candidly, too, about um, sort of the ins and outs of the business. That's not to say we're necessarily a part of the business by any means. We're still small. We're still growing. But we sort of had that, too, where we had a prospect who we thought we could get on the pod. Uh, we I had talked to his agent and everything. And then it just sort of we sat, Stone and I sat here for an hour and a half waiting for him to show up. And he just never oh, did. Wow. Um, oh, wow. See, I haven't yeah. had that. But, yeah, that's. So that's the thing. And I don't want to make it sound like it's an American thing, but you know, the American kids, they're spoiled. Like if I do a video on any American prospect is one out of 50 or more. If I do one on international prospect, there's not many out there. Like, like the most viewed video that I've ever dropped as far as like a scouting report is Goga Batazzi. <laughs> <laughs> and actually the second one is, is, uh, Horton Tucker, and the only reason why that one blew up is because no average fan heard of him. And then when he got drafted by the Lakers, everyone went to YouTube, and I literally had the only like if you typed in Talon Horton Tucker scouting report, I was like the only one that had a video, and I got ninety thousand views in like twenty four hours. But other than that, it's the international kids. I think they're more. I mean, grateful is a strong word to use, but they're more appreciative of... these opportunities probably just don't come around as much for them i think right. they do they they probably just take more advantage of them yeah and because they it's harder for them to just go on youtube and type their name in mm -hmm. and it's also someone from another country that's showing interest so i think last summer i probably did maybe 10 international prospects to come on. And the one college prospect that I had to come on was Svi Pons, but you know, he's French and he, we did the podcast with him on like Memorial day or something like that. So there are some guys that I did last year that were pretty young, like 16 that I think are going to end up being prospects. So I found that it's a little bit easier for them. And I've never had to deal with an agent. And I have an interview coming up tomorrow with an agent and it was based off of, I did a video with on the prospect and then his agent saw the friends videos and all of that. And now he's kind of pushing his client to, to do the interview. So I know I got to talk to friends about doing like a, a case study on seeing how his interaction has helped him out 
and I and I think it's it's beneficial from the for the player and the agent. Yeah, I know yeah. you can't do everyone, but I mean, let the people know who you are. And actually, I think another level that we could do is some of the the college guys that like if it's you know somebody's going to be a twenty two prospect. I think doing interviews like this could be beneficial because even if you have 300 listeners, that's 300 people that, you know, the kid can actually maybe interact with or that really didn't know much about them. And then I think that could even help with the whole licensing thing or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, but it, it's tougher to get American kids to, to come on. I feel like, cause they're spoiled in a sense. Yeah, I mean, and that definitely dives in. Sorry to cut you off, Stone, but it's just an interesting point. Like, it dives into the difference of, like, like in, in Europe, you know, those guys aren't usually the best player on their team uh, yeah. for the longest time. I mean, in America, they tend to be, at least at some level. You know, if, if on EYBL, they're the fourth guy on their high school team, they are the guy, you know. Yeah. So there's some level of that. And, uh yeah, that, that, that was a really interesting breakdown of that. It's sort of an interesting uh, process. And it's, you know, something we're learning about uh, getting brands on the pod is a really special experience. And, um, you know, that pod, like something like 65% of the people who listen to it were from Belgium. So, you know, yeah. it's sort of like, uh, it, you know, there's, there's sort of that camaraderie that in America, we get about our cities. I feel like that in Europe, they get more about their country, you know, like, yeah. I'm super into Seattle, like Seattle. I'm, I don't live by Seattle right now, but I love Seattle. I've been there a million times. I'm a Washington kid. So it's like, you know, I'm all gassed up about Seattle. And anytime there's a Seattle prospect, I'm all over that, you know, like yeah. DeJounte Murray or, or CJ Elby, whoever it may be. Um, and it's sort of like that with, with them uh, for their whole country. So it's just sort of interesting uh, difference. And, and, and I'm hoping, I'm with you, I'm hoping, you know, partially selfishly right like it'd be awesome to talk to as many prospects as possible um but i think for them i, I think you've you've really been like the driving force of rents into being a legitimate prospect i mean there was quite a while where he was not on any top 100 boards you yeah. know like like smart people like sam Vecini or whoever would not have him listed as a prospect and now i struggle to see him below 70 on any board it's just yeah. sort of like he's he's made a name for himself and you know i think you and and to a lesser extent but you know for my own part us and, and just in general his interaction with uh the people who support him uh has really has really helped grow that it's just sort of interesting um it's sort of interesting to exist less on the outside of basketball looking in and to be tied into it a little bit more it it makes for a more interesting experience um and this has been a great experience rafael is just he, he's a genius and if you don't follow everything he does i don't know what you're doing um thank you yeah that's, that's, not, i got big shoes to fill <laughs> i don't know about genius but that that's a pretty high praise now i gotta uh, live up to it all your you stuff the friends interview. yeah <laughs> what's yeah. that i said you did with the friends interview so you've already you've already filled those shoes oh wow. <laughs> yeah he um yeah man i mean like i had told him i said this whole process could be life-changing for both of us because, you know, when Chad mentioned that because of the way I had been pushing him and, and using Twitter and, and all of that, because I, I know like Chad has, you know, I mean, he has a, a following and I think a lot of scouts listen to him. And I mentioned friends, he even said even with, with Baji and he said, you know, scouts, are, you know, everybody's scared to miss out. But he said he thinks it's played a role in it. So if if friends ends up you know, getting drafted in the thirties or whatever. And he has a Pokashevsky type rookie year. Let's say he goes to Houston or I don't even, I think Houston might have a, a pick. Well, he hasn't, he doesn't have a workout for Houston, but I know like if he goes to one of these tanking teams and they allow him to, to play and then he does well and he continues to like interact like he has been, then I think that it could, you know, kind of, make me look like a, a genius and I'm all for it <laughs> yeah. a, a little bit of luck you know that's you know that's everything in sports right you know extra yeah. bounce off the rim and uh we're not talking about Ben Simmons being traded right now you know two that was what three years ago now two years ago extra yeah. bounce on that rim by Kawhi you know 
there's no way we're talking about Ben Simmons getting traded right now. But or if Bam doesn't block Tatum's shot at the rim, I mean, I know it's like game one, then it changes everything. So that is still to this day one of the most nuts plays I've ever seen live. Yeah. Um, because there was absolutely no way that Bam did not dislocate his shoulder right there. Like he 100% <laughs> dislocated his shoulder and just did not care. Um, which is just wild. Um, but yeah, that's, that's basketball. That's life. That's, uh, you know, I could wax poetic all I want. Um, but Raphael, again, seriously, thank you so much for coming on. You're a busy man. And, uh, it means a lot that you would come out, uh, with us and take your time out and hang out with us. So just tell the people everywhere they can find your stuff, all your great stuff. Um, seriously, people, it is absolutely worth your time. Uh, just, just plug yourself to your heart's content, Raphael. <laughs> Thanks. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be on. Anytime you guys want me on, let me know. Um, I, I can make it happen. But, yeah, you can find me at NBADraftJunkies.com. I'm trying to update the site as we speak and create player profiles. Then there's my YouTube channel, NBA Draft Junkies. And I had a goal of doing 100 prospect videos. Don't know if I can do it now. Um, I've been spending a lot of time doing podcasts, which at the end of the day is still kind of like, you know, good for, for everything that's in, that I'm involved with. And then um, I have a podcast that airs twice a week on Locked On NBA Draft. It's every Monday and Thursday. Yeah, and uh, there's there's quite a bit on Locked On NBA Draft. Uh, friend of the pod, uh, Richard Stamen, Mavs Draft does that. As, as I met him for the draft. first time, like, earlier this week. That's cool. Yeah, I've talked to him. You know, we've done podcasts together. But face to face, I met him for the first time and we went to a, a gym to watch Keontae George play pickup basketball. Yeah, that's he was cool. telling us about Keontae. He was the best player in the gym. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, cool. Rich yeah. is a cool guy. Yep. Well, that's what it's all about, right? I can't wait. To, I can't wait to meet Stone in person. That's going to be that's going to be a surreal day to see yeah. below his <laughs> see below his shoulders. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this this has been great. Um, stone let the people know where they can find you and what they got to do yeah uh, you can just follow me and all my draft work at report underscore court if you want to follow the podcast at upside swings uh, and if you just want to rate and review us it helps us out a lot and grow our audience yeah uh this yeah, has been i awesome. want a favor i, I want to have you guys on my podcast um i want to like get on the 2022 guys early and um yeah <laughs> so we can start talking about 2022 as soon as this is over and, you know, just kind of go from there. Sounds Absolutely. Good. I'm already excited. I'm already excited for 2022. Um, Paolo share I mentioned Seattle guys. Uh, I will be unfairly might be the biggest Paolo. Seattle guy you've ever had. So oh. Oh, well, <laughs> I still, I have to find the video sometime. Paolo dunked on me so hard. Um, I will never, ever forget. Uh, someday I will get to tell my kids that NBA Hall of Famer, he dunked on your dad when he was six. <laughs> you know what? I got a funny story similar to that. So this is 2014 or 15. I'm training this kid. And, uh, you know, we're training. So I'm, like, kind of tired of doing the, the skills training part. So I'm like, man, let's play two on two. See this scrawny kid on the other end shooting. And he's shooting, like, from his waist, right? So... I'm telling the kid that I'm trying to say, you guard him and I guard this other kid. So he's destroying my kid. I mean, just destroying him. We're, we're like losing. I mean, when I got the ball, I was able to score. But if I missed, we're losing 10-3, 10-4, 10-2. So I'm like, all right, switch. I got him. So I'm noticing the kid is shooting like literally from his waist. So I'm trying to like play off him enough to where if I stick my arm out, I can alter it. He's crafty and I can't guard him. So now I'm embarrassed because he's like literally, he may have been like five, nine, 75 pounds, right? <laughs> he was light. I mean, maybe 120 pounds, something like that. But he's killing me. We probably play like 10 games, but we're playing 10 games because they were going by so fast, like quick, quick, quick. And then, um, so on draft night, the, the kid that I was training, he calls me, he says, how does it feel knowing that, you know, when we, when we got our butts kicked that day, at least it was by our first round pick. 
And I was like, who was it? He was like, you don't remember that was Trey Young? I was like, you know what? That was Trey. (laughs) So, so, and I knew like he looked familiar and I knew that he used to spend a lot of time in Dallas. I just didn't, you know, like I, I started, when I started seeing him in high school when he was like a junior or whatever, but I totally forgot that was the same kid that was like 12 years old. So I did media for the Mavs his rookie year. And I would, you know, be on the court before the games. And I went and introduced myself to him. And of course he didn't remember me. But then when I remembered, I told him the story, he just kind of laughed, like, yeah. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> so yeah, I have a story that I can tell my kids that I got schooled by 12-year-old Trey Young when I was in like my my mid-30s. I was bigger, stronger, and everything. And I mean, he literally plays the same exact way now, where you just think, like, okay. I should be able to take advantage of him, but he was, he was tough then. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, I have a story of Matt Barnes crushing me, but I'll save that for another pod. <laughs> another time. Another time. This is, but at least this Matt is- Barnes was Matt Barnes at the time. <laughs> and at the time I was like 12. So I yeah. it's an excuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a year older than Paolo and he was playing up and uh, he did like a Euro windmill. Like he like stole my pass and I like tried to take a charge. He like euroed around me and like win me, and I was like in awe, like just looking up at this six ten human just like absolutely yamming on me, and not not the first, not the last time I was ever dunked on, uh, but you know it uh it, that's what happens. Yeah, that was uh that was that was what I did because I was horrible at taking charges. Um, but anyways, this has been great. Uh, thanks again to Raphael. Seriously, all this stuff is worth it you go follow him go listen to his stuff watch his youtube channel whatever it is uh stone as always thousand followers now so you know he's big time he's big time he'll be getting that ross status (laughs) he'll he'll be getting that ross home in treatment soon uh cole's wicker we know it's coming um and of course i'm at bryce hendrick 14 on twitter all my stuff is on roll call pretty soon i think i'm gonna thread all the stuff i've written for this draft uh but you know someday maybe um this has been the upside swings draft podcast uh, we want to thanks, Ra- thank Raphael again, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.